I know now how the cow jumped over the moon. I'll tell you what, you start singing about a risen Savior and not just a fact of history, but know that resurrection is on the inside. To know that life, that life has come and death has passed. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. If that don't excite you, well, you need to go get your exciter checked out because there's something wrong with it. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then we're going to go to the book of Matthew in chapter 28. I would ask for your attention. I would ask that you give your attention not to me, the messenger, but to the message of the Word of God. And I pray that God would speak to our hearts. I'll read this morning from Matthew chapter 4 or 28 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then I'll pray. First of all, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3. But if our gospel be hid, what is the gospel? Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Notice this verse. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I take you to Matthew chapter 28 and we find here the guards that were set at the tomb to watch and guard the body of Jesus. Jesus, of course, has risen from the grave. The angel sits on top of the stone that once sealed the tomb. The soldiers had been slain by fear. When they come to themselves, they go into town and here's what they say. Matthew 28, verse number 11, Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city. Now that word going is a little bit funny to me because the presence of God, I'm sorry, the presence of the angel uh, so smote the hearts of these hardened soldiers that they passed out. I mean, they fell as dead men. The Bible says as they were going. I imagine some were running and they didn't know where they were running to, friend. They were just running from something that had frightened them. Behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests, that's a religious crowd, all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers. Now, we're talking about the high priest that goes to the elders, which is the Sanhedrin council. I mean, that's the ruling class of religion of the day. Not righteousness, but the religion of man of the day. The Bible says this, saying, say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away, while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. Now they told them a lie to go tell. And they said, we'll cover you. We'll take care of the governor. Verse number 15. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd Fill me with your spirit as I preach your word this morning. There is such a rejoicing and an excitement in my heart to realize I serve a risen Savior. And I thank you, Lord, for the truth and the power of the gospel. 
I pray that you'd fill me with the Spirit, that same Holy Spirit power that raised Jesus from the dead. Help me as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to preach this morning on the subject, Satan's work at unbelief. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them uh, which believe not. May I say this morning that Satan works in every manner and fashion to keep men from believing the truth in Jesus. They work, the devil works, to keep folks from believing that Jesus was the Son of God, the Savior of the world that died on the cross and rose from the grave for our sins. I say as the devil and his minions work at unbelief, it is the responsibility of the preacher of the gospel and a born-again Christian to work to persuade every man to put his faith and trust in the truth of the gospel and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today I want to show you at what length Satan will go to cause people not to believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. As we look today at the part of the resurrection that deals with the Roman guards that we placed the that we that they placed to guard the tomb of the Lord Jesus, uh, we're going to see that the devil works in the same manner today as he did then, working to keep people. From believing. Now, if you're an unbeliever, I would ask that you listen to the preaching of the Word of God today. Perhaps it was some of these same men, some of these same heart-hardened soldiers that had taken part in the crucifixion and were assigned to guard the tomb. Now, I don't know how many guards there were, but there was a guard, meaning there was a band of soldiers. Some say there was no less than 12, and some say there could have been as many as 60 when you study Roman behavior and the work of the Roman Empire and the Roman army. Some 12 to 60 guards chosen to guard the tomb of the Lord Jesus after he had been crucified and buried. Now again, this is an illustration, a real life illustration of how Satan works to keep men from believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, to keep them from placing their faith and trust in him for salvation. May I say today, the devil does not want you to be born again. He wants you to die in your sin and go to a devil's hell. I remind you that Revelation chapter 20, the Bible says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Satan does not want you to believe because he wants you to go to hell with him. As a preacher of the gospel and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, I tell you the message of God is that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and whosoever will put their faith and trust in him, you can have eternal life. Now here's what we have. The guards come and they report to the high priest that Jesus is gone. His body is gone. I want to begin in looking at the work of the devil in our unbelief to see what their response is to the news that Jesus' body was gone. First of all, I point to the silence 
of the priest. They did not argue with the soldiers. They did not say this isn't true. They did not mock or make fun of the soldiers. The Bible says there had been an earthquake and no doubt they had felt that earthquake. In fact, it was more likely that it was more than the ground that shook below them. It was probably their courage that shook and was broken in fear realizing something just happened over at the tomb where Jesus was. When they report that the body is gone and they report that the stone had been rolled away, the the stone that had been set, the stone that had been sealed by the Roman seal, when they give that report there is no anger, there is no argument, there is no negative response. Now I want to remind you, these are reliable witnesses as far as the Roman Empire is concerned. These would not leave their post for any reason. They understood that their responsibility to guard meant their own life. Now, here's what happened. They knew Jesus' prophecy had come, to, uh, had come to truth. They knew that Jesus had risen from the grave, but the devil using these as pawns to try to cover up the truth with the lie, we see exactly what the devil does in our world today. Now, there was no reason for the soldiers to make up the story that Jesus was gone. These were the same men or type of men that had crucified the Lord Jesus. They were visibly shaken. Remember, they had passed out at the appearance of the angel. The chief priests did not argue with their report. Here's what they did. They countered with a lie. Now, here's what I want you to hear this. They did not argue with the report that Jesus was gone They countered with a lie. And that's exactly what the devil does today. He works to replace the truth with a lie. He is attempting to stop faith in the facts. And and, and we know today, the whole world knows today, that Jesus came, lived, died, was buried, and rose again. Now, they're not going to tell you that didn't happen. They will work to replace that truth with a lie. It was obvious to them that the resurrection had taken place. And they believed it wasn't a saving faith, by the way, the Bible says in James chapter 2, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble, but this belief was not a faith for salvation. It was just a knowledge of the facts. What a great tragedy is it is to know that the Savior died, was buried, and rose again as facts, but not to place your faith for salvation. There's a multitude of people today in our world, they believe the facts of the resurrection, but they've never placed their faith in the resurrection. If you're not careful, you won't deny the truth, but you will follow the fables of the devil and his minions and even the lies of the devil that would keep you from placing your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, after they see the high priest, they go on to the Sanhedrin council. 
Uh, the Bible says in verse number 12, when they were assembled with the elders. With the elders indicates that the Sanhedrin council convened just about this report. Now, if they didn't believe it, they would say, I don't believe it, no way. I'm not going over there for a meeting. They did believe it. They knew it was true. Now, I want you to see this today. There's a difference in knowing something's true as a fact and placing your faith in it for salvation. I'm thankful as a five-year-old boy, I knew the facts, but I put my faith in Christ and his payment on the cross of Calvary, his resurrection, the receipt that it was finished and paid in full, I put my faith in to be born again. You need to get your facts from your head to faith that's in your heart. Well, the chief priest couldn't handle the report alone, and the obvious fact that the resurrection had occurred not only stunned the chief priest, but it caused them to go to the council of their cohorts, uh, the Sanhedrin council, to see what they would do about this resurrection report. And so the Sanhedrin, the high priest, and the soldiers are there. Now, folks, they can come up with whatever lie they want to come up with, uh, but they were dealing with the fact, plain and simple, the body of Jesus was gone. And don't you let the devil get your attention on other things. Jesus is alive and seated at the right hand of the Father right now, and these folks were dealing with something, uh, boy, that they couldn't dispute, uh, they couldn't do away with, so what they're going to do they're going to work to come up with a lie that folks would believe in rather than proclaim the truth of what had happened. So this meeting, this conniving meeting of the Sanhedrin shows that they are adamant in their unbelief. They are aggressive in their unbelief. They are also artificial in their unbelief. Now, if I took those same things and I applied them to the religions of the world today, I applied them to higher learning so-called that denies the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we would find the same thing going on today. Folks don't just not believe. They're adamant about their unbelief. Not only are they adamant, they're aggressive about their unbelief. Not only are they aggressive, they become pretty artificial in their unbelief. Let's look at it. They resolved to not believe in Jesus. Now, I want your attention back. I want everybody's attention right now. Everybody listening. Everybody looking right this way. Look right at the te television. Look right at me. I want you to hear what I'm going to tell you the next three to four moments. They resolved, they decided not to believe in Jesus. The resurrection caused their hearts to be hardened even more. Truth hardens the heart of unbelief. Now this helps us in understanding when we're witnessing to folks, we see it so plainly. We see the truth of the gospel so plainly. And yet when we present something that's undeniable, we see the hardening of a heart in unbelief. Abraham talked about this. If you recall, the rich man in hell said, Abraham, send somebody that they could tell my brothers and warn my brothers lest they come to this awful place. Here's what Abraham said. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. Now I want you to get these three statements. The character of their unbelief 
reminds us that unbelief is not an intellectual problem, but it is a problem of the will. The Bible said, whosoever will. doesn't say whosoever understands. It said whosoever will. So unbelief is not a problem of the intellect. It is a problem of the will. You see, unbelief is not a problem of reason. It is a problem of rebellion. It is a, fa- a problem of fallen sinful man. It's not a lack of facts, but it's a lack of faith that send people to a devil's hell. Folks that are not going to heaven are not going to heaven because they don't believe the facts of Christ and the facts of the gospel. The reason they're going to hell is they've never placed their faith in the gospel of Christ. And the devil works at unbelief. He educates. I've often said, you have to be highly educated to be that ignorant. Some folks could not be as ignorant without the level of education. I'm not saying all educated people are ignorant. I'm not saying that. But when it comes to unbelief, unbelief hardens the heart. And they were aggressive in their unbelief. That same crowd works today from places of of, of, of so-called higher education to religions of our world today presenting a religion in place of righteousness. Did not Paul say in Romans chapter 10 uh, that he would, uh, that his people would be saved? He said, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not, it's not according to knowledge. And they go about to establish their own righteousness, not knowing of the righteousness of God. God's already offered righteousness. I don't have to be good enough to go to heaven. I never could be. I simply by faith need to accept his righteousness for salvation. They actively and ardently seek to keep people from believing the truth, not by saying it's not true, but by presenting a lie that would get their attention. Not only were they resolved not to believe, but they were equally resolved to keep others from believing. How to keep others from believing was a main topic of this meeting right here. How do we keep folks from believing that? They knew it was true. They knew the facts that Christ had risen. They knew that. They weren't trying to say it wasn't true. They were trying to keep people from putting their faith in that. They replaced the obvious truth of his resurrection with an arduous lie, with a lie that is just so so outlandish and foolish and even childish. Here's what they said. Notice Matthew 28 verse number 13. Say ye, now this is Sanhedrin council. These are the high priests. These are the educated of the day. Say ye, here's the lie. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. You know what that reminds me of? That lie of the Sanhedrin council, that lie of Satan reminds me of the lies that are propagated daily by the news media of our world that are so anti-God and anti-Christian. I, I want to go through nine different questions or, or, or things about this lie. He said, here's what I want you to do. Go tell everybody that during the night that his disciples came and stole his body. That's what I want you to do. Now, if this gets to the governor, we'll cover for you. And, and here's a good bit of money. We want to pay you this so you can... Do you see that? 
that Jesus didn't have to pay people to tell the good news. Friend, the good news, Christ is risen, is on the tongue of every person in our world today. We're not been paid, friend, uh, uh, the money of the world. We've been redeemed and set free, and the news is free to everyone. You can have salvation. Ho! Oh, uh, he that hath no money, let him come and buy milk without money, and let him buy without price uh, uh, the living uh, uh, water and the living uh, uh, eternal life. Now, let me point out nine things quickly, and I've got to stay on time here. First of all, think about this. Here's a lie. Tell the people that the disciples came at night and stole the body of Jesus. Now, how would anybody believe this? How did they know that the disciples stole the body of Jesus if they were asleep? Now, think about that. Isn't that silly? Now I want you to go, and what if somebody said, well, weren't you watching? No, I was asleep. Well, if you were asleep, how did you know it was the disciples? You see how foolish that lie is? But that's exactly what the devil does today. He tells some lie that's arduous, that, that, that just, you say, I don't understand that word. That's exactly why I use it, because it's a lie that just absolutely makes no sense at all. Just tell them the disciples came at night and stole them. Well, I, got a, I got a question for you soldiers uh, were you asleep? Oh yeah, we were sound asleep. We were sound asleep. And, and that's the only way we, 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 we didn't know what happened. And uh, well, what happened? Well, the disciples came at night and uh, stole him. Well, how'd you know it was the disciples? Isn't that something? Let me give you a second thought. This lie is so absurd because the soldiers would have not all been asleep at the same time. Now, we're talking about 12, 15, 20, maybe 60 men. Let's just say there were 12. Now, wait a minute. I feel like I've got 12 third grade boys in my office that are in trouble at school. You mean all 12 of you fellows went to sleep at the same time? All 12 of you were asleep. Now, you said it was the disciples that stole his body in the night. Right, right, right. How did you see them if you were asleep? And second of all, did all 12 of you go to sleep and sleep all night long? Did not the Roman government tell you to keep a watch? I got a third question. How did you stay asleep? Did you not seal the, the, the tomb with a stone? Oh yes, oh yes, we sealed it tight. Nobody could get in. How did the disciples move that stone without waking you guys up? How in the world did they, the 12 disciples sneak past 12 sleeping soldiers, maybe 25, maybe 60. And how did they steal the body of Jesus? How did you sleep through all the commotion of them stealing the body of Christ? i got another question. Number four. Why would the disciples steal his body? Why would they? You say the disciples stole him. Where is he? Where did they take his body? Why would the disciples, Jesus has been telling everybody he's going to raise from the dead, why would they steal his body and try to prevent his prophecy of resurrection from coming true? I've got another question. You're talking about the disciples that were afraid to come to the crucifixion, but they came to the tomb? You soldiers killed Jesus three days ago. Yes, 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 we did. He put his body in the tomb. Joseph put his body in the tomb. We sealed it with a, with a stone. And we, we sealed it. We put the stone there. And, and, and then you're telling me 
that these disciples that were so afraid to come to the crucifixion, they came and stole the body of Jesus from the tomb. Yes, yes, that's, that's what we're telling you. Well, it sounds like a bunch of third graders to me. I see them looking at each other now like, you dummy, this is a dumb lie. Well, I didn't tell you that was a Sanhedrin. Man, some boss he is. We're in trouble. Think about this. How did the disciples take Jesus out of the wrappings of the body and leave the wrappings there? They're not messed up and the napkin is folded and laid. How'd they get Jesus out of that? Um, how did they? Well, I don't know. Look at the lies. And, and I want to tell you something. You watch the evening news that's negative about Christ and the Bible. You, you watch the propaganda that's being taught. And sadly, even in some seminaries today. And, and, and you start asking the question, now how in the world did that happen? You mean all 12 soldiers are asleep and the disciples came at night and stole him? Oh yes, oh yes. If you were asleep, how would you know it was the disciples? Um... How'd they do that without making commotion? Wait, all of you were asleep? How'd they get his body out and leave the and, and, and leave the wrappings around his body? I got another question. Why is nobody searching for the body? If you know so much, you knew the disciples stole him, where did they take him? Why are you not searching for the body? Why didn't the high priest tell somebody to go look for the body? Well, I don't know. Ask you a question. If you're put in a prison to guard a prisoner, and that prisoner escapes, is not your life by law taken because you didn't do your job of keeping that person that was a prisoner? That's right, that's exactly the law. Well, how did you fellows make it then? Why weren't you executed? There seems something funny going on here. I got another question to ask you. Why aren't you arresting the disciples? You worked hard to find Jesus and arrest him. Why don't you go arrest those scared disciples? Folks, can I tell you something? As you look at this lie of the devil, it's just like what the devil is doing today. And sadly, folks are talking about this lie that says, here's what to tell them. Tell them the disciples came and took his body away while we were asleep. That's foolish. And so is the foolish lies of the devil today. Here's the truth. Man is born in sin because Adam sinned in the garden. You don't have to teach a child how to sin, how to lie, how to steal. You know why? It is our nature to sin. And there is a condemnation placed on sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You may say, I don't believe in God, but you still die. Whether you believe or don't believe something doesn't make it true or untrue. All men die. While some have lived to be nearly a thousand years old, like in the case of Methuselah that died uh, some 969 years of age, all men have died because all men have sinned. Not only does man die physically, he dies in hell for all eternity. But here's the good news. Jesus came 
God took the form of human flesh, born in the manger of Bethlehem, lived a sinless life, went to the cross of Calvary as John called him, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Here's the truth of the matter. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He died in your place and he died in mine. And here's the plain facts of the matter if you put your faith in Him, He will give you eternal life. As a five-year-old boy, I said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. Take me to heaven when I die. Folks, it's not a matter of the facts in the head. It's a matter of faith in the heart, believing that Christ died and rose again to pay for our sin. And that's what Easter is all about. Don't you listen to or be sidetracked by the foolish third grade lies of the devil. Put your faith in Christ. Would you bow your heads wherever you are? My wife is going to play an invitation song. If you're watching me today or listening to me and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you right now ought to say, Jesus I trust you as my Savior, as the payment for my sin. If you're watching me today, and you are a Christian, you have received Christ as Savior, you ought to bow your head and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the faith to believe. The Bible says God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. And I'm thankful for the day as a five-year-old boy, I trusted Him and He saved my soul. One day, if the Lord tarries His coming, this old body is going to die. It's going to return to dust from whence it came. Ah, oh, but the real person that lives within, that was born again that day as a five-year-old boy, I'm going to be absent from this body, and I'm going to be present with the Lord. Because Jesus was not just a good man, Jesus was the Savior of the world. And while many claim to love and live for their people, Jesus died and rose again for His. Heavenly Father, thank You for this wonderful Easter Sunday. We worship You. We adore You. We thank You. We rejoice in Your salvation that has come to us. And within inside us today lives the Holy Spirit of God. He seals us. He secures us until that day that you come again or we come to meet you by way of the departure and death of this old body. I pray, Lord, that you bless the truth of the message to our hearts. I pray that you bless this afternoon. Lord, help folks to enjoy family, time, but then this evening at 6 o'clock to gather again to hear another message of truth from your word. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.